What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Guys, today is day three of the Iowa trip, the Mississippi. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm butchering the name here. The Mighty Mississippi Till Trip Day 3. So super excited about that. But before we jump into the main meat of the podcast, let's get a quick word from the partners, and then we will be right into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx on X is a perfect app for waterfowl hunting. It has um, boundaries for public land, private land. It has the uh, homeowners information on that private land. You can knock on the door, get that information out here in the marsh. We've been using it a lot for that track feature um, in the dark. It, it shows you which direction you're going. You can follow that track and get back to your little honey holes that you found in the day that are a pain to get to in the dark. So big shout out to Onyx. They are the partner for this till series, and we are super excited about that. Also like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks, guys. Motion Ducks is a jerk rig on steroids. On those no-win days, you got those birds that are a little wary. Uh, you can throw that Motion Ducks out, put lifelike motion out in your spread, and it is awesome for that. Check them out, guys. Use code DuckGun2020. Also like to give a big thanks to FA Final Approach. Guys, I'm a big fan of the stand-up blinds they have. Um, I'm loving the waterfowl backpack. They're just an all-around one-stop shop for the waterfowl hunter. They have everything a waterfowl waterfowl hunter could need. Also like to give a big thanks to Tetra. Tetra Hearing, awesome way to protect your hearing. Uh, They have... uh, the technology that allows you to hear your buddies, everything else that's going on in the marsh, wings whistling. It is top of the line hearing aid technology and beyond for the hunter. So check them out, guys. Guys, if you've been watching the videos from the series, then you know that I've been loving the the Weatherby 18i 20 gauge and been just lights out. Um, the video that just went up yesterday, uh, you guys can see that firsthand, and that that is a really, really slick waterfowl gun. Um, haven't had any issues and it's just on, honestly, I've been just loving it. So check them out guys, uh, Weatherby inks over there and it's the 18 I alrighty. Also guys, make sure we're at the beginning of the season. It is a perfect time for you to start your waterfowl journaling on the hunt stats app that Elliot and I have been working on for, for a long time now. And it's a lot of things are coming together quick on it. And this year we have some, some awesome additions. My favorite right now is the leaderboards. You can see dove leaderboards. You can see early teal leaderboards, you can see early goose. You can see the waterfowl, the season, all that kind of stuff. The leaderboards are up and it's just a really cool, fun way that us as men, we can compete with each other just in a, in a friendly kind of competition. So check them out guys uh, if you're going to find it on the app you can find it in the google store or on itunes just search hunt stats in the app it is an orange logo uh, with a mallard silhouette in there all let's go ahead and jump on to the main part of the podcast what's going on folks thanks for joining me in another episode of the duck gun podcast i'm jordan from duck gun chronicles and we are on the road with another podcast from iowa hunting the mighty mississippi and it's been a great time. So our co-host for the day, we got John returning for uh, podcast number three. <laughs> and our guest for today is Hunter. How you doing? Good. Glad to be here. Awesome. So uh, we actually got out on a hunt with you today. Well, actually, we've hunted with you every day. So, <laughs> yep. But uh, first time getting you to jump on the podcast with us. And um, for those of you that don't know, um, this is the part three of the series 
from Iowa so far. Uh, we had a podcast, just me, John, and Devin, and then we had Tim on the second one, and now we got Hunter. So um, it's been a great, <laughs> a great trip so far. So I don't know if uh, if we ended right now, I think I would just be ecstatic. So <laughs> uh, I don't know if it can go up from here. We'll see. One way to find out. Yeah, one way to find out. Keep on hunting. So, um, you know, uh, go ahead, kind of just introduce yourself, you know, a little bit about yourself, how you got into hunting, that kind of stuff. All right. So, name's Hunter. I'm here local to Iowa. And uh, I kind of got into it because my dad bought a boat one day. I just came home and there was a boat (laughs) in the driveway. And he's like, let's go duck hunting. I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. And so, how how old were you at that point? uh, Like probably 11, 12, early. You know, something like that. He took me out and I did the hunter safety and everything before that. But, you know, he took me out. We went to the, you know, wood duck hole early in the season and did that for a couple of years. And then I kind of got into it way harder than he did. And now we're here. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. I would definitely say um, one thing, and I don't know if it's just exclu- exclusive to your group or the culture. And we talked a little bit about this with Tim, but um, it just seems like there's a plethora of hardcore waterfowlers in this area yeah we have a lot of good habitat and a lot of good places to go you know like it's helpful when an hour in either direction from my house i can go to five or six different places that'll hold 30 40 thousand ducks at a time and that would be considered normal like small yeah yeah that would uh be nice (laughs) (laughs) so i guess uh you know you talked about like getting into it you just had a boat and 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 all that but uh you know kind of what's been your experience and and how long have you been duck hunting? Uh, so I've been duck hunting now probably probably close to 15 years, 12, 15 years, something like that. Okay. And I've duck hunted like very, very hard for probably about the last five of them. When I was in college, I'd duck hunt every morning before I'd go to school. Now I duck hunt pretty much every morning. I did, of the 60-day duck season, did 48 two years ago and 47 last year. And we're already on our way <laughs> to three in a row for the teal season. But Do you, uh, you, do you track your bird numbers at all? We, I've tracked them a lot last year. I tried to do it the year before, but it gets about November and I forget that I'm doing it. Sure. Yeah. There's a, I've heard about this before. There's this app that, uh, is like super useful <laughs> for that type of <laughs> journaling. It's called hunt stats. It's, uh, yeah. by, uh, um, freelance duck hunting and duck and chronicles. So you should, you should that's check right. it out. Yeah, should probably, <laughs> that's probably you. Shameless, shameless plug there. That's so great. no, it's, uh, yeah, it's great for journaling it and, uh, your hunts, the weather, all that, keeping the numbers so you can see the harvest data throughout the season. Yeah. Um, It'd be and, really cool if I could track the dog's retrieves on that too. <laughs> That's coming, man. It's coming. So I know you got a, you got a dog yourself and, and yep. a, a young dog, and it's, it's just super cool seeing them kind of grow, and, and uh, it is cool to see how many retrieves they get in a season. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you I, guys have some good dogs out here for sure. Try to. Yeah. yeah. It makes hunt We haven't seen yours yet. So is there is there a chance that was Ellie? Is that yeah. what you said it is? Ellie. Ellie. Is there a chance Ellie would be out tomorrow? Uh we'll see. I don't like to take her out with a bunch of guns yet. She's just not okay. not disciplined enough for it. I mean two year old. Yeah. So yeah, I get that. I'll tell you Chief was not uh disciplined at two years old. Yeah. He wasn't much of anything, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I just don't like to get her out under a bunch of guns yet just because nobody wants to have the dog that's breaking. Yeah. Nobody wants to have the Wise. dog that's ruined stuff up and it's good. I mean She'll get plenty of hunts during the week when it's just me this year, and so that's all right if she stays at home for a little bit. Awesome. She doesn't like it, though. <laughs> yeah, so um, we definitely want to touch on some some different topics and background and, and stuff like that. 
Um, but I think maybe let's let's talk about the hunt first, then we'll jump to some of that that other stuff we kind of talked about before we're on air. But um, one thing I wanted to hit on on the hunt, man, uh, it was just it was just a crazy day. So we 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 got out there and started going, and we had the spot kind of picked out from from yesterday. And um, I can't remember how much we touched on it on the the last podcast, John. But when we went to the spot. Um, you guys thought we we're talking about one spot. I thought I was talking about another spot and, uh, we're both like, everybody's like pointing in different directions and shining lights. And we're kind of arguing with the mud motor running in the background and yeah, stuck. <laughs> stuck, stuck. We both were stuck. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, finally, you know, we, we pulled up on X and, and kind of figured it out. But, uh, we, uh, yeah. So, Anyway, some some other stuff going on here, but <laughs> but uh, yeah. So eventually, we kind of figured it out. We had to circle back, but I mean, we were stuck, stuck. We were on plane and came to a stop. And these boats, you guys are running XLs and Havocs, and mm-hmm. I mean, they're no joke compared to your uh, your grandpa's aluminum boat that you can just pick up and kind of like shove along. Uh, it wasn't happening with these, so. Yeah, once you get stuck, once you come off plane with them, you're pretty well. It's like a four-wheel drive. When you're stuck, you're stuck. <laughs> when you're out there, you're out there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of funny, though, to see, like, the stuff that it would get stuck in. Like, there's some some things that it just goes, it cuts through, like, butter. And some things, you know, namely the grass was kind of, today was what I learned, that it'll just, the boat will kind of come up on top of a grass mat, and then you're almost, like, beach there. You were just cutting through hydrillas and arrowheads and stuff like, like it was nothing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're beached up on this little grass mat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has to do with like you know the bro the boat's up on top of it, so you're not getting like the buoyancy of the boat, and you can't get your motor through the mat to get into into the water at all. So like the skag of the motor sits on top of it, and you just spin your wheels, spin your wheels. Yeah. So you guys didn't go quite as far as us. So you got out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, me and Tim were in there just pushing. I mean, drenched in sweat by the time we're done. Oh yeah. And it just felt like. We couldn't even move it. So we're pushing, 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 pulling, pushing. He'd jump back in the boat, try it again, and nothing. I mean, it had to be a solid 10 minutes. Oh, at least. Yeah. (laughs) At least. I mean, we made it around to the other spot, like, essentially by the time you guys pushed out. Yeah. Yeah. And so eventually I I got on one side, and I was pulling, and he was running the motor. We just kept doing that over and over and over until it got going. And then I, like... I, I jumped in and like kind of missed the bar and landed on the on my back in inside of his boat. So, um, but yeah, after that we're off to the races again. Um, I was definitely running that tracker for the Onyx, so I wouldn't have to worry about it the next time. You said you got it on your GPS as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that it's crazy. In the day, I'm like so confident, like oh, I know where this spot is. Even after two, I mean yesterday, the same thing happened. I'm like, I know where we need to go. I know like the location, but then you in the dark, it's so hard to to get pointed in the right direction. You see your landmarks and all that. So yeah, um, and it doesn't help. We're essentially hunting a giant like lily pad field where the grass and everything's five foot off the water line. Yeah, you can just barely see over it where you're at, and so like you can drive there, but it doesn't mean you can see where you're going. Yeah, so because I, I, I was standing on the bow of the boat mm-hmm. and. I was trying to give him directions and I was literally in a cut from a different boat and I thought it was the one we made the day before and it, and it just wasn't, it was some, we're going the wrong direction yeah. altogether. 
yeah, it's amazing how easy it is to get turned around, especially when we get like the mud cuts out there that are essentially the mud cuts are just the width of a prop. And then you just have some of the grass that got laid over by the boat <laughs> that got drove over, you know, so it's, it, you don't see nothing. Yeah. You're gunnel to gunnel with it's grass like, that's five foot tall. If you have it on plane and have like four to six inches, it seems like you can go through that stuff. But as soon as you run out of that, that, uh, mm-hmm. that water, that's when you get stuck and oh, then yeah. you're not on plane and then getting out of it is just, uh, Oh yeah. Mud's worse. What you yeah. get stuck in mud? <laughs> yeah. Well, we got plenty of mud where we're at, but <laughs> yeah. it's a, uh, yeah, it, it's, it is crazy to see different environments, different habitats. And, um, you know, every day we go out there, it's just, it's just cool to kind of experience something that's totally different and foreign from our normal duck hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of cool that, you know, like yesterday and today we took what we learned from yesterday, found the hole that we really should have been in. We did good. Yeah. Last couple of days, but we found a hole that was better, better birds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the birds were cutting right, right down and just swooping down. You know, we'd pull a few off here and there. Um, and you guys were shooting them up in the front, but like the big flocks coming high through the sky. We had one, um, yesterday where it's like one of those flights where it's just perfect. You hear the wings whistling. It's like, whoosh, and then it was like 20 of them. They went right past us. Like, at 30 yards, we didn't shoot because we would have been dumping them in, in the, the high grass, and they kept going all the way. And we called, you know, but mm-hmm. it didn't matter. They wanted that that hole. So, mm-hmm. And we've seen that a few times Yeah, uh, over the last couple of days. Probably more than that. We've seen it probably a dozen times over the last couple of days. And so finally, we we uh, we found it. You know, we're, we're on OnX, and we're all kind of looking at different points. And the thing is, you, you got the satellite image, but the vegetation change yep. changes every year. And um so we drove through there we found a small hole and then we look over the side and like you can see it on the satellite too which is crazy um but it's way bigger because i think you have a lot less water right now than normal yeah we're not a lot less the pool doesn't like move as much right there okay i think we're like we're less than six inches i went when we drove down by the spillway today we looked at it and it's like less than six inches okay. off from where it would normally be gotcha so which doesn't sound like a lot but when you're talking about a foot and a half of water six inches <laughs> makes a lot of a difference oh yeah for sure. But when we came through um, and found that hole, like I was super pumped because we could see the feathers all over the water. I mean, it was way big enough to hold the teal and, and have a great landing spot for them and, and tucked away like nobody could see it from anywhere. And it was way back in that stuff. Like I said, it took us two days of trial and error to finally find a way to get back to the hole. Now that we we found it, it's really not that bad. Like It's no. like we're just coming at it from the wrong angle, getting stuck. Um, but now, now that we have it, we're, we're good to go. Yeah, yep. definitely. Yeah. So, so once we got back there, well, well, why did we set up? Why did, cause you, you and Tim kind of chose where we set the boats. Why did you guys choose to set them there? So we kind of, so to, to give some context, so we kind of cut through some hydrillas. We were thinking there's this kind of big open grass flat where the ducks were, were landing and kind of skirting us a little bit yesterday. We found the spot, it's kind of this big open piece that's maybe got five to ten foot wide little open holes with grass in the middle. It's a little bit lower, easier to find birds when you drop them than the hydrillas. And you guys parked the boat. Which way would that have been of the hole? And why'd you guys choose that? Yeah, we I mean we had the wind at our back at that spot. So it had, you know, two things. We had good cover, so we got on that side the high lily pads to kind of cover the front of the boat and sit in there. And that kind of seems like that's your natural 
kind of yeah. set up for, for your group here in, in Iowa. Yeah, for the early season it is. A yeah. lot of those lily pads die off and break off pretty early. So sure. we lose them all. Yeah, and I'm sure with like mallards or, or higher flying ducks, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to be able to get away with that little of hide. But with nope. it, it, is, it is crazy because I wouldn't have thought myself that we could have done it, um, how you do it. But they just, I mean, they literally are flying at lily pad level, like like a foot off of it. So mm-hmm. yeah. when we're sitting behind them in the boat, like um, – our heads are like at the lily pads. Yeah. So you can't see other groups that are in the, in the marsh until they stand up. And so I feel like the teal are, are probably about in the same boat. They're just flying around. They can't see it till you stand up. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's why it's important to have the mojo up above the lily pads too. Yeah. So they can see. Yeah. I do think bit. that well, was, I thought that was very effective. Today. Yeah. Game changer for sure. Because we did that yesterday. We had that mojo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we put that in our set th- today as well. So yep. yeah, the hole was probably, I would say, it was about forty wide, forty wide, or forty deep. What's yeah. the right, yeah. right way to say it? Yeah, maybe forty in deep. front of us, forty, and then width wise, maybe that's about the same, maybe sixty, sixty yeah. wide. So mm-hmm. it was a small hole, but it was perfect for the till. So mm-hmm. um, really, to set up there is like it was tucked away from everything else. We knew nobody else had hunted it at all because we'd been there the last two days and nobody had been able to get back to it. But we seen the birds just dropping in there like crazy and, and you know tim tim said this multiple times you know after we got done but it's like it's just kind of us paying attention and doing our homework and seeing where the birds go and that's um really what helped us be able to get on this hunt because i think if we're other places in the marsh it just wouldn't have happened no i mean we were talking to people as it came to the landing and one well, bird yeah one bird not a lot of stuff not a lot of stuff going on it's just a matter of making adjustments and learning from what happened the day before yeah, and I mean we were finishing like flock after flock. Yeah, they just they just wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I mean, this is probably one of the coolest till hunts I've ever been on. If yeah. not, I, like I, I feel <laughs> so weird saying it. Like I don't want to say it's the coolest till hunt I've ever been on when we just shot, shot a six man limit the other day. Yeah. yeah, but it was just like this, and we've talked about this off air a little bit already. But it was like you got the passing shots, and it was just chaos, and it was still an awesome hunt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then like this one it was like just felt like we're doing everything right yeah. so it was like yeah. more fulfilling it was much more controlled i mean the birds decoyed so much better i mean 10 to 1 more than they did opening day and they were falling in better places they were easier to get the dog didn't have as hard a time tracking them down and getting them we lost fewer birds percentage wise i mean i thought it was just today was more textbook than day one for sure oh yeah yeah and like we kind of, since we sat the two boats together too, you know, you're able to cut it up and have the other benefits of duck hunting. You know, you're able to cut it up and have a good time. And, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when certain people shoot, certain birds get all jazzed up <laughs> together about it. Yeah. You know, you want to talk yeah, about no, yet. we had a great time, definitely. Yeah. So I was. What was the what was the climax? Give it. Give us the. Oh, well, just jump hey, to don't, it. Hey, don't don't you know storytelling has like certain parts. <laughs> we have the arc. I want dessert the, first. <laughs> don't give me the dinner. Give me the dessert. So. Yeah, we had we had a great time. It was I mean it was a great company. I, I enjoyed everybody that was there. Um and I don't know, we just great teamwork, great calling. Like yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, can you say great calling until but I mean folk pattern calls, they were great. So yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. I mean there was multiple times that I mean birds turned. Like they were not coming towards us. We hit we hit the call and a whole group would simultaneously yeah. turn to come towards yeah. us. And and that was, this is the second day that we've seen them do that. So. Yeah, day one, it was like nothing. They were on their system. But then they got shot up. I don't know what happened. Maybe they they got shot up, and birds are kind of newer to the area, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, 
it does look like a good spot where they're at. And yeah. And we call and, and they turn, but like day one, it was nothing. The last two days, it's been great. So. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it has been pretty good. I don't know. Um, the other thing that was really nice about today was seeing the birds not only like come into the decoys, but the way they'd come over the lily pads and just drop three feet. Yeah, they're flying a foot above the lily pads, and then you'll you're like, okay, get ready for the shot. And by the time you decide to make the shot, they're already twenty feet from you, just dropping into the decoys, and there's just nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're hard to pick out. Yeah, well, tough to lead when they're. I mean, they're so erratic when their wingtips down coming in. I mean, when we would yell, take them, and you'd stand up. You don't. I I personally (laughs) feel like you almost wait a second for them to, you know, lift up. Yeah, lift up and flare because as soon as they flare, they're going in one direction. Mm-hmm. either up or away from you or whatever. Yeah. But until then, I mean, if they don't flare, they're pretty erratic when they're coming in and tough to hit. Yeah. And the other good thing about today was we had a really good time shooting lanes. Yep. Yes. Really good time shooting lanes today. Yeah. Yep. And with awesome. those big flocks, it's important. I mean, we had one one flock of seven, and we shot five out of it. So mm-hmm. it's like you know when you're doing that that you're shooting good lanes because if you're not, you're going to – I mean, your first couple shots are really – especially with how fast they come in are, are probably the only good ones you're going to have Yeah. Um, on that. And if you're wasting your first shot where you're um, doubling up with somebody, yeah, it's like you're, you're not going to be dropping five out of seven. Yeah. Yeah. And we did that multiple times <laughs> shooting big, good groups. Oh yeah. It was, yeah, it was all around, man. It's like, the, I, I just can't get those images out of my mind. Not that I want to, but yeah, <laughs> you just close your eyes and you can still see it. I mean, oh, the birds yeah. just coming right over top. And cupping right in, so it's like yeah. I don't know. It's something that everybody needs to experience, like some good good teal hunts. And really, I, I've I've had I've had some out in Kansas, and like locally, we don't have them that well. Um, but I, these, you know, as a whole, have been like my best teal hunts together. So yeah, absolutely. But it was it was hysterical to me that so opening day we we hunted what was it, two or three boats did you guys have two boats over we there? had two and we stashed one just in case just okay. in case we got stuck and stuff. Well, we, so we had four only, boats out there yeah. No, we, no had we had three. three. <coughs> we had three. Oh, okay, gotcha. the one. So we hunted one, and they hunted one. But you had two boats. We hunted two boats in two different locations, and the six of us shot six, a six-man limit, right? Yep. So so everybody limited that day. It was awesome. But like you said, there's very little decoying, and it was super, super chaotic. Not, I mean, obviously we had a we had a great time. They had, they probably had more decoying than we did, though. Yeah, yeah we did have sure. we did yep. have more decoying birds. Yep. Yeah. And then yesterday we did we get seventeen? Yes, that sound right? Something like that. So yesterday we get seventeen. They're decoying slightly better. We still split the boats up. Yeah, we and that day we had probably a better yeah, decoy. Yeah, so yeah. we had what was it, three three or four groups probably? Probably two two or three groups and then one or two like singles and doubles that were decoying yeah. really, really well. Um so we were kind of getting there. It seemed like the mojo was working well. That's when we they started to respond well to calls. Same for you guys. Um but it was definitely I mean it was almost Maybe less than fifty percent were decoying still, and then today we ended up with was it fifteen? Yeah, yep. fifteen. We, yep. So we 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 took back fifteen teal, um, but I mean the huge majority of those decoyed. Like I'm not sure if any of those could be considered true None. passing shots where they weren't. They didn't even look at the decoys. They were just passing over and got yeah. blindsided by a no. And I think yeah. forty most yard of shot. The, most of them did the you know did it dirty where they came straight in oh, in the face God. right in front of you came oh, right yeah. in looking right at us yep. came over the lily pads and either you know broke one way or the other or tried to light. Yeah, and Wait. I feel like I like at the beginning huh like I was almost starting to feel bad because. They just all kept coming on the left side, and I'm the furthest person to the left. Yeah, and they come right over the lily pads, 
And it was just like right in front of me. I'd stand up and they'd veer off to the left. Mm-hmm. And so nobody had a shot but me. Yeah. And so it's just like, I think I had three singles that came in by like, I mean, within 40 minutes, you know, yeah. I, and I was, and I was sitting at three. So <laughs> yeah. it, it might've even been faster than that. So, um, Tim and should have put those Tetris to the test and done some muzzle blasting on the left. <laughs> well, side. I'm not he, trying to throw any better, shade in there. No, he was a better friend than you than, <laughs> to you than I would have been. It was it was good. I had a man on one. I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I don't know. It was a good time, and I think it kind of proves like the whole point, like what you say in your out or intro about like you know it's fun to shoot limits, but it doesn't mean that that's the best hunt. Yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't mean that that's your best hunt, and you ended up limiting out, and. You ended up with five. I was one away, yeah. You were one away, and Tim and I shot nothing, pretty much. <laughs> we both shot a couple, but not great. And it's just, you know, it's it proves that we can have a good time. You can go out and have a good time. I mean, granted, we shot 15 birds, so. No, that's a good, yeah, it's, it's a good It's day. a good time for it's sure. But day. comparatively, I mean, if you look at the numbers, day one was 36 between two boats. Day two was 17 between two boats. Day three, what we put the two boats together, four guys only. Right, and yeah. and we shot when we shot fifteen, so numbers wise, that probably I mean fewer birds die. It's usually a you know a lower quality hunt. The birds weren't yeah. there, whatever. I think we all kind of agreed that this was our favorite hunt of the last three days, which is hilarious because we shot less birds. We shot less birds, but they. Yeah, I mean, funny. it was just it was the way it's supposed to be. You know, I mean, today was just it was it was what teal hunting's yeah. all about. Yeah, I think yes, yeah, I, I just think it. You know, not to beat a dead horse, but just like seeing them decoy like decoy <laughs> like that, it's just it's just so fulfilling, right? So yeah, when everything comes together, it felt like we did our due diligence. We got um, all our ducks in a row. Finally, got to the spot and yeah. the spot that they want to be. And yeah, if we just had a few more numbers, which you know, like I said, we don't we don't have to have the limit, but uh, you could kind of, I guess, uh, reach the maximum like potential in a hunt, right? Everything yeah. decoying in and. And all that, but yeah, it was awesome. Huh? When this wow. was the, the the third day that we either talked to a person or DNR or somebody that said, you know, you guys are doing significantly better than most of the other groups that are kind of around you. I mean, we are still in public water right now, yeah. So we're still, I mean, we're cer- certainly not elbow to elbow, but we're, I mean, a couple hundred yards away. Every single time we find it, there's been some, at least one other group set up. And yeah. it seems like we're doing more total shooting and dropping more ducks than probably most of the groups around us combined, which is awesome. I mean, a good testament to the the scouting and the adjusting and the, you know, not being lazy and setting up at the same spot, even though the birds aren't there and stuff like that. Yeah, I think we have to give Hunter and Tim, like, a Absolutely. lot of credit. Just <laughs> a round of applause. Yeah. Yeah, we did do a lot of scouting out there. Yeah. Yeah. Figure out where everything was at. And, and even we scouted it, and we scouted it from a distance. You know, as you do, you don't want to bust birds off where you're going to hunt. And it turns out that our scout was off by a little bit, you know, where we thought birds were going to go. wasn't where we, you know, you get a little bit different perspective when you actually sit there and you actually look at where they're going and then you move and you make an adjustment and then you move again and then eventually you learn. Yeah, I was pretty pissed. It took, I was pretty pissed. It took like two and a half hours that opening day to get get a six man limit. I, mean, yeah. I thought we were coming down here for a good hunt. <laughs> yeah. So the icing on the cake today is I shot a banded blueing till. So uh, congratulations! <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, huge achievement. And that's, it was, it's awesome. And it wasn't banded five minutes from where it was shot. No. no yeah. It's yeah. It was so unexpected, and. I mean, I freaked out a little bit. I don't know. I don't know why, as duck hunters, we freak out about it so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
but like we do like it's not something to be ashamed of like if you get excited about something in duck hunting um like that and it's just like but i mean i don't know so to tell a story so we had a flock come in um and it was you know it was a decent flock i'm gonna say it was about 10 to 12 and um they came right over the lilies and right towards us we all stood up and shoot and shot, and we dropped. Is, well, that's the group we dropped a, a, quite a few out of. Yeah, yeah we, we went five for seven. That was a that five one. for seven group. Okay. And so we send Chief out there, and I jump out immediately because I know, like, I need to, like, be as quick to him as possible so that he can get the bird. I'm going to meet him halfway, grab the bird, and send him to the next one. And as I do that, we have another solo come in, too. And so <laughs> so I shoot a bonus on that, too. And, uh, and then we start picking up the ducks. And sure enough, so... Uh, he goes into the lilies and comes back, and um, I'm, I'm holding all the ducks in my hand, and like in my pinky, I can feel on the duck something like rolling around, and like it was like a mental like pause where I'm like, that's not how a duck's leg is supposed to feel. Did it just connect? Like and did then, the yeah. light bulb come on and, and you like, freaked out? It was like bing, and I, <laughs> and I I think you guys said a. I can't even remember what I said, but yeah, you were just you were excited. I Everybody said something first, bio, though. Yeah. Like I'm like, is it bandit? And then I hold it up. It's bandit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and everybody's freaking out. So that was awesome. That was, it was awesome. the icing on the cake. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. and it was really nice because it was obvious who shot it. You know, yeah. it was pretty yep. clear and what was going on. There was no arguments going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's John gave the... me a little bit of a hard time. But... <laughs> Why well, I, I had to interrogate because you were holding three birds and it yeah. wasn't like you picked one up and said, "Oh, great, this is the one I shot." The bands on it. You picked up all three birds, not all three of which you shot, right? Sure, yeah. And then found the found the band. So I'm thinking, oh crap! I'm pretty sure I got one of those three. <laughs> which one of the three was it? We yeah. looked back at the shot. We were pretty sure it was yours. We looked back at the shot cam and sure. We looked enough, at the shot cam yep. and the bird, and and then that was the one that Chief pulled out of there and, and yep. handed to me, and yep. that's when I felt it in my hand. So, yeah. awesome. uh, but you know, we've all talked about it too. Like bands is such a crazy thing because yes. everybody wants them, and you don't want to be you don't want to screw it on them either. Oh, yeah. Um, Friend, lots of friendships yeah, lost friendship, over bands. Friendships and, and drama and draws, And do you give it to the... Oh, I mean, we had a big conversation about this, didn't we? Do you yeah. give it to the whoever spot it was? Do you give it to the guy that doesn't have a band? Do you just... Everybody draws? Do you draw only the side that was shooting at the band? Yeah. And every like every of, group does it different. And that's kind of my go-to. It's like whoever's hunted is, they have like a system. Yeah. And like what system's the right one? Like I think we all have opinions in our mind of what's the most fair and mm-hmm. and then there's guys who don't even care about fair. They're like, It's my spot, my band, or right. my spot, <laughs> I get to like give it to Johnny. Yeah. Not not Johnny, but like right. I'm just uh, John Doe, you yeah. know, the random whoever it is. Yeah. Um so yeah, for sure. Like and, yeah. and we also talked about this and all agreed, like you definitely don't want a band that's not yours. Like some people might, but like yeah. Yeah. I think the point of bands is like to have bands that you shot, not yeah. like have yeah, it's like anything else, bands. you know, like the deer hunters are proudest, proudest of the biggest deer, and fishermen are proudest of the biggest fish. I mean, when duck hunters look back over the thousands of ducks they've shot, most of the ones that stand out, like the trophies for them, is either a certain species of duck that's mm. pretty rare where they hunt, yeah. or it's a banded bird, which is awesome. Yeah, it was banded in uh, Manitoba, Canada, mm-hmm. in 2020, which makes it even cooler, right? Yeah, it was already cool, but I, like I kept telling you guys, oh, this is probably just a local bird born, born this year. Yep. Because that's the most common band, right? A local hatch this year band. Yeah, yep. and there's a pretty good banding program, you know, not too far away from where that bird, where we were hunting. You know, 20, 30 minutes by the truck, there's a really good banding program going on. Yeah. So. Yep. 
Yeah, the like, odds were not in your favor, and you beat them. <laughs> yeah. Beat them twice. Once with I the band, lucky, and man. once with where it was banded. Yeah, that's super cool. So I, I'm I'm beyond stoked about that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I took a little video, tech pictures, all that kind of stuff. It's obviously it's going to be in the hunt. The whole all the hunts are on going to be on YouTube from this whole series too. So I'm super excited about that. But what what was your you're kind of talking about? It was funny because you were talking about this. I think before the hunt, right? What. Uh, like people who have bands on their uh, oh yeah on their lanyard and they're yeah. you said they're like chest puffers and oh, yeah, yeah the guys that all have four bands and they think they're God's gift to duck hunting yeah yep. this one time I don't know. four four local birds that have been banded that week you know yeah yep. still got a little bit of egg on their face from yep. banding them yeah I always think those guys are kind of funny I mean there's nothing wrong with it you, nothing yep. to be wrong to be proud about it but yeah it's and it's funny. it's funny because then literally right after that then I shoot one and then we come back here. And I'm standing in the kitchen of the Airbnb, putting it on my lantern. Yeah. <laughs> and I put it on. Yeah. Yeah. Put it on, got to try it out, make sure it looks yeah. right. Back's all hunched over because his lanyard's a little heavy now. Oh, yeah. 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 From the teal band. <laughs> From the, the teal band, on there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it is funny, though. I, I, so I was, Hunter and I were talking about this, that I was... I would have guessed that all ducks were banded with the same size band, and they would just crimp it a little harder for small ducks with small feet like teal. But your band is almost halfway, probably two-thirds of the way between, you know, from a dove band to a mallard band. So it's smaller than a mallard band, bigger than a dove band. It yeah. was interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I believe wood ducks would be in between, so. Oh, would be even in between those two, between yeah. a mallard and a teal band? Oh, yeah. Huh. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they have a, allegedly, that's a pretty good wood duck banding program up there. I'm kind of, even if I shoot a <laughs> local wood duck band, I'd be so jacked. Uh, I would yeah, be, too. Definitely. I, f- I feel like that's uh, the... The next piece of the puzzle for my lanyard. Jordan's <laughs> yep. already planning them out. He's like, getting bands is easy. Targeting spe- certain species bands yeah. is that's yeah. the next. That's the yeah. next one. Shot my first banded bird this week, and here he is. Oh, oh I gotta yeah. go for the next species. <laughs> we, did, we did talk about yours too. So okay. I think didn't we talk about it? On- I think so. Yeah, yeah. With Tim. Yeah, Hunter got a nice banded dove. So your your first well, how many first was that first first band was kind of your first dove hunt yeah yeah my first like actual dove hunt targeting doves and not just being there and shooting doves <laughs> first limit of doves because obviously it's my first dove hunt and it was my first band on any sort of like game bird or yeah actually any band at all but yeah. Awesome. yeah so I'm just saying the Indiana dudes roll into town and all of a sudden the bands start falling out of the sky <laughs> so you guys should have us out here more often oh yeah oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely fun. So yeah, that kind of that kind of wraps up the hunt though. So it was definitely definitely a solid hunt. So yeah, yeah. Um, but now we got to talk about something that I've been wondering about the whole time since we met you. But uh, uh, if you guys, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to roll into this. I, I mean, you drive a Porsche, yeah, and you're you're hauling this giant havoc boat with a. a, a 40 or 50 horse mud motor on it, right? Yeah, yeah, mine's a mud buddy 5000. Yeah. So, never in my life would I imagine a Porsche pulling that boat. Like what's the like is this planned or like wh- go ahead and just so, share the story for so us. So the boat was a little bit planned. I had always kind of wanted like the speed haul mud boat, you know, like the Excella 4s and stuff. I actually had a poster one in my room when I was a kid. And I always wanted one and when time game available finances and the woman approved we mm-hmm. went and bought a havoc because that was at the time what i decided was the best of them mm-hmm. you know everybody picks sides just like everything else yep. on what mud Ford holes and chevy and, and yep. yeah everybody picks sides and that was the one that i thought best suited what i did and with my research it's done me well it's a good boat here's a i gotta stop you real quick so um 
I just think this this is hilarious, and this kind of speaks to the the duck hunting culture around here, maybe just the mud motor culture around here, because I don't think there's a kid in Indiana that has a XL boat poster <laughs> on their wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it was like the cool thing when I was a kid. Like you know, the um, <laughs> there's a marina that's not too far from where we're at, actually, and you know they sold them, and I remember going up there with my dad and just being like, you know, we have essentially old aluminum John boat is what we were hunting out of. And yeah. I'm like, man, this would be so cool. You know? And then, <laughs> and then the first time I'm at a landing when I was like, you know, probably was like 13, 14 when the first time I saw like a mud, bo- a speed hole mud boat. And the first time I saw one, I was like, with the rooster tail coming yeah, out. Rooster tail, oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're driving into the swamp with a, with a mud motor going four mile an hour. And here, this guy is flying around at 20 at the time. And we're like, dude, that guy's, that guy's the guy. Yeah. Like he's the guy. And then, that's you know, hilarious. You're like trying to get back to the landing at the same time as him. So you can kind of like eyeball the boat up, you know, <laughs> see what's going on. But yeah, that, that's a, Elliot tells a, a similar story. The first time he saw one in Kansas and he's talking about this guy and it was an older guy. He looked, he looked like regal, tough duck yeah. hunter, and he's standing there with his mud motor just cruising, and they like they couldn't get anywhere. Yeah, it's the first mud motor they ever saw. This guy's like he had a gray beard, and it's just like blowing in the wind, <laughs> and like they tried real hard to get back to their spot, and this guy just you know, yeah, bust past them, and <laughs> yeah. so similar story. It's kind of kind of cool to hear because in Indiana, it's like. I don't have a I don't have an origin story like that with with mud motors. So oh, yeah. yeah, and like we had a lot of like the long tails and stuff like that. But now the hyperdrives have really caught on because some of the public spots have gotten real competitive to the point to where it's drag racing at midnight to go see where you're going to get actually to hunt. And so it's a it's a drag race, and so a lot of guys want to get there as fast as they can, which is you know why I bought my boat because <laughs> I actually bought my boat to outrun another guy that had a different style of boat that we don't need to go into. But I'm faster than him by two mile an hour. That's not a big deal. <laughs> so is it Tim? No, not Tim. <laughs> okay. I had my boat before Tim, but it doesn't uh, matter if you're only winning by two miles an hour. There's winners and there's losers. Oh yeah. I was yeah. tired of getting beat to my hunting spot at That's midnight. Right. So yeah. and we've, we we've, we've been talking about this so much that uh, I can't remember what we talked about on the podcast and not, but um, I th- I think we talked about it with Tim. Do you remember if we talked about like the, the races? Run. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and right. how it, it's kind of funny because we would never think about that in Indiana because in Indiana that almost doesn't exist. Like on state properties, they do have some of that where you you can't like the gate opens at nine a.m. Um, I, I've been to a couple state properties where there's a certain time where it opens. You know, gate opens and then you rush in there. Yep. And and sit at your blind kind of the the later part of the morning. But you guys have the, you know, for people that missed it, you guys have the the midnight, the boats are allowed to leave. Yeah, 12 So minutes. having a fast boat's a big deal, whereas in Indiana, I can have a slow boat and just get out there an hour earlier, and I'll sleep yeah. at the spot for an extra hour than you will, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, ours is 12.01, that we're allowed to be on the water, and, like, opening morning, I think we, like, average, I don't know, last year, I think there were seven or eight boats in the water, staged up, waiting to go, and you kind of stage them up in the order that people get to the landing, so, like, there'll be some guys that get to the landing at four o'clock the night before. And they'll just sit with their boat, tr- like, backed onto the landing so that no one else can back in, of course. You know, you got to play the game. And, you know, you stage the boats up, and at 12.01, you hear seven mud motors roar alive to 4,900 RPM, and they're all screaming to the same four holes, and who gets there, who gets there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's crazy. I, I would like to experience it, but also, I'm scared to death to be involved <laughs> yeah. in something like that. Have you guys seen those videos, like Arkansas I've, I've seen and the stuff? Arkansas and, ones, yeah, yeah, and it, you know, people are cussing at each other, and boats are bumping into each other and stuff, yeah. all fighting through this this channel in the timber. Yeah, ours isn't quite that bad because we don't have like the timber cuts like they do down there. We're you know we're hunting marshes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where 
you know, like if really I can get four or five boats wide if I really have to and <laughs> cruise around some people if I really want to get going. Yeah, that's crazy. It seems like such a obscure number. Like we're going to, I mean, I get it. It's like the start of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why they're doing it. But like, why does it need to be 1201? Like, why can't it just be like 830 or like, the, yeah. you know, the night before? Or like, mm-hmm. Or like, why even put a time limit on it at all? Well, I think it has to do with the fact that where we're actually at, you know, I don't want to give out too much info, but we're actually <laughs> in the Upper Mississippi Wildlife Refuge here. And Upper Mississippi Wildlife Refuge has a couple weird rules about it. I shouldn't say weird, but like laws and stuff that are put into place about hunting on it. And part of the Upper Mississippi Wildlife Refuge, you're not allowed to have like permanent blinds. You're not allowed to have stuff like that in the refuge. And so all of this is considered that. And a part of the 1201 is to ensure that you're not leaving decoys out overnight because you can't leave decoys out. You have to have decoys and blinds off the water half hour after sunset or after shooting time. And so like a part of all that is to make sure that you're like, everybody's actually coming back and everything. Cause if you put it at, let's just say seven o'clock the night before, well, all people would do is pack up, drive five minutes to the landing, just sit there and then turn around and go back out again. You know, it makes it to where there's enough of a gap that you kind of have to go do something else. You can't just hang out on the state ground. Sure. So what's the, what's the story on the Porsche? So the story on the Porsche is really came down to, I like having obscure things like i like having the uh the interesting thing in a parking lot i guess is the best way to put that mm-hmm. i like having like ellie she couldn't be a lab she had to be a fox red lab she had to be just a little bit different color than what everybody else has got at the landing and i was looking at cars and stuff like that and i was like well i know i'm gonna need to pull a boat with it i know i'm gonna expect it to do certain things and oddly enough it like fit the bill for everything and I started looking for really a Volkswagen Touareg, which is what the Porsche Cayenne is based off of. And I started looking for one and I kind of test drove a couple, didn't really like them. And I started almost a nine month process trying to find the Cayenne that I wanted. It took me just over nine months to find it. And for people that don't know, because I'm not a car guy and I'm, and you're like steeped in this stuff, like oh, yeah. you're like deep into and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, yeah. and, uh, but it's a diesel SUV Porsche, which uh, until this weekend, I didn't know existed. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it took a long time to find. They're kind of I shouldn't say they're rare, but they're very uncommon to find because people that have them tend to tend to run the miles up on them. You know, yeah. they tend to own them and just run miles because, like we were talking about earlier, running down the interstate, I get like thirty four miles a gallon with diesel. That's crazy. Running with a boat behind me, you know, I drove an hour here this morning. Running with a boat behind me, I get like twenty four, twenty five miles of the gallon, and like I have a full ton pickup that gets eight. So it's <laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah. playing the game. So can we do any modifications to the duck bus to get it closer to that thirty four? <laughs> no, I don't think you'll ever get there on the bus. But <laughs> okay. You'd be surprised what you'd get away with. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it just like it fit the bill for everything and really kind of funny. I actually bought it out of a dealership and got a really good deal on it, which is the next yeah. question. Yeah, because you started to t- to tell us about this. I'm like, hey man, we're gonna do a podcast later. I just need to hold on to this for But yeah, so you so, go ahead. So I uh I really went up to this dealership, and unfortunately, I kind of told John this story already a little bit. Okay, so that's all right. I'll act surprised. <laughs> yeah, he'll act surprised. But I went up to this dealership because they like specialized in German like diesel cars. So like they had the Audis, the Audis and Volkswagens and stuff like that. And so I test drove the Volkswagen Touareg and the Audi Q7 and the Q5 and the Porsche. And I love the Porsche because really what came down to, and this is really stupid, but there's a ton of buttons. If you get a chance to look up the interior <laughs> on, a, on a 2013 Porsche Cayenne, but it looks like you're in a cockpit. And like you were laughing when we went to dinner, there's all these grab handles and stuff. There like is. That. I mean, does it go fast? 
I mean, as fast as a 7,000-pound SUV with a diesel motor in it can go. I mean, <laughs> it, it's all right. I mean, you did, we went to lunch, and I was kind of expecting it to be a little faster. No, no, it's not, it's not too fast. It, with the, it's not fast, but it doesn't feel like you're going fast. So, like, I'll be driving, and you'll be going, like, 60, 65 mile an hour, and you're just cruising along. It's nothing. You know, yeah. Running 80 mile an hour down the interstate here, and nothing. Does it pull the boat well? Oh, yeah. It's actually incredible how well the boat, well, I don't know, Johnny Road it. Well, I was very impressed. Yeah. With how, yeah. I had, to, I actually looked up the weight. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I looked up, I was like, is this boat just like super, super light? Like I could imagine it pulling, you know, I mean, my, my Toyota Camry can probably pull, uh, you know, my little aluminum John boat with the 20 horse outboard on the back because it weighs nothing. But you're, you know, your Havoc is, it's yeah, heavy. a substantial boat. I mean, that's a, I mean yeah. for, for an aluminum boat, that's a, that's a heavy boat. Yeah, and so I had to look up the weight. I forget what it was, unfortunately, but I had to look up the weight of it to see is this boat just like way lighter than I think it is. And it was, I mean, it was a substantial weight for the most part. Yeah, um, but it was, yeah, it was amazing how you just, you just didn't even feel it in my mind. Yeah, yeah, it does really, really well. It does way better than I like actually anticipated. Like I said, I have a full ton diesel pickup. That's way more of a pain in the butt to use <laughs> to drive around with the boat. But where was it going with that? I forgot. Oh, went up and test drove these cars. And I love the Porsche. Me and my buddy fell in love with it. It was a perfect thing. Now it's 2013. Bought it in 2018. Had a hundred or had like eighty some thousand, ninety thousand miles on it, something like that. What do you think I paid for it? Take a guess here. What Man, it, so I, I'll tell you the sticker price. The original MSRP sticker price was sixty nine nine. Okay, I had the sticker window sticker in the in the glove box. All right. So I'm I'm glad you gave me that because I'm not a, a car guy enough to know. Yeah, like, like um, when it was brand new. Yeah, when it was brand new, it was okay. sixty nine thousand. Okay, and then you put eighty or someone put someone put eighty thousand miles on it, and it was like five or six years old. Okay, I mean, thirty uh, k. <laughs> I paid sixteen thousand. Nice. And so, like, it's kind of one of those things where it was a good car. I didn't have to pay too much more to be able to have something yeah. a little bit nicer. No, that's awesome. And I mean, it's a good. I mean, obviously, it's a good. How'd you get that good thing. of a deal? Uh, looking for nine months. Okay. Uh, putting gotcha. the time in and knowing what I was looking for and knowing what I didn't want. And, you know, John and I talked about it a little bit. There's a couple things that options that didn't come on the one that I bought that I would have liked, but eh, we're nitpicky. It's yeah. Fine. It's yeah. beautiful. It's a good awesome. car. Yep. Yeah, one definitely. Uh, it stands out at the boat ramp because if we like opening day, there's probably like 17 and they're like big trucks pulling boats and, <laughs> and everybody, I mean, not everybody, but maybe 12 out of 17 have like, the big mud boats and, and yeah. surface drives and all that and and big trucks and then here's you with your blue <laughs> it's a black the black cayenne okay <laughs> the, the black cayenne with my nice shiny aluminum trailer yeah yeah a havoc yeah there you go <laughs> yeah it's so, an interesting thing everybody def- knows who definitely I am. stick out oh yeah <laughs> everybody knows who i am when it's parked places oh, i'm yeah. sure there'll be people that listen that know exactly <laughs> who we're talking about awesome so another thing um you're actually quite the the gun, the gun nut, as uh, the liberals might call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, a little bit of background. I actually went to school originally. Out of high school, I went to a two-year school and went to school for gunsmithing. So, I'm like classically trained gunsmithing where I can build parts from scratch. I can, you know, pretty much do everything. We had to build a barrel, like rifle barrel and everything part of school. I wouldn't do it for you know, for money, but yeah, I could, I could theoretically do it. Could theoretically machine a receiver out of a block of aluminum and I could do all that design firearms. Nice. But, and then I went from that and I graduated and I actually started a gun shop and I ran a gun shop for just that two years. And then business partner ended up buying me out of that. And now I work in aerospace, but 
I am kind of a gun guy. <laughs> I am kind of a gun guy. Yeah. Yeah, at 25 years old, I mean, it's just, uh, I feel like you're doing really well for yourself. You got, oh, yeah. you got a really unique history and, and background, so that's that's super cool. Yeah. You got the stories of a 40-year-old already. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've done a lot of stuff. I got a lot of advantages, too, you know? A lot of people that have helped me out along the way and figuring it out. Oh, yeah. That's what awesome. it's all about. But, yeah, big gun nut. And I know one of the things that you're going to ask me about is I like going out a couple times a year with really old shotguns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're telling me about that. So, um, yeah, go go ahead and tell us. So somehow when I was in school, I got into American-made double guns. So, like, uh, the old Ithacas, uh, L.C. Smiths, anything that the Hunter Arms Company came out with, all of that kind of stuff, Foxes. I'm just into them. And uh, every once in a while, I'll take them out and I load my own shells for them, and I'll take them out and go duck hunting. So, what's the I, I, what's like the the proper name for all this? Or maybe I mean that's the proper name, but like, um, is it black? It's not black powder. What what? So some of the guns are old enough that they're originally built for black powder, but I shoot nitro powder through them. It's just okay. I know how to load for it and everything. They're just double guns. So what's the? I mean, I don't know what a double gun is enough to to like follow what you're saying. So okay. like. Ex- Explain it in layman terms. Like, wh- how do you load and and fire this gun? So, like, they're side by sides. So typically, they have like the top break where they break open, and then they're okay. just the side by sides, two shells, and you put them in and fire away. You okay, got two shots. <laughs> you got pretty rather three. Yeah, okay. that, it's kind of funny. I, I don't like. Have what year one. are these guns? Um, early nineteen hundreds. Most okay. of mine are. You know, the nineteen five, nineteen five to like right at the beginning of World War One, because a lot of the gun manufacturing obviously dropped off. Sure. To, do the war it's like 1911 and then some of them pick back up 20 1915 to 1920s is where a lot of you know i shouldn't say a lot i have four or five there's some guys <laughs> that i know that have you know 50 100 guns that are in oh this, wow yeah you know, 100 plus year old time frame so what's the like what's the the kick you get out of this compared to like shooting your uh your normal semi-automatic shotgun well so it's like for one it's a challenge you know sure. you're shooting way slower shells you know you're shooting what i don't even know what modern loads are out of a shotgun they're like what 1500 feet per second let's just say like 1350 probably yeah. on average yeah and i'm shooting like sub thousand foot per second shells so, so they fly way slower are they still lethal yeah yeah i mean you got to be careful about like ranges and stuff because all these guns have fixed chokes and some of them are not choked the way you'd really want them to be choked up. sure but you have to be careful about that stuff but yeah, typically, you know, is we it do pretty good. Still or bismuth or what are you shooting out of it? Um, it depends on the gun. Um, if they have chrome lined barrels, if they have a hard chrome lined barrel, or if I have sent the gun to get hard chromed, then I'll shoot steel through them. But otherwise, I use bismuth because the steel shot is actually harder than the inside of the barrels, and so it'll like gouge. It looks like gouges running down the barrel where mm-hmm. the steel shot has come out of the cup of the wad. And like kind of gouge the barrel up a little bit, which is a trick for if you're wanting to buy one to look for. Sure, yeah, but, that's definitely. Um, I shoot bismuth in a lot of mine because I only have one that's chrome lined because it was one I spent a ton of money on for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, what would you say? I mean, back back to the lethality. When I hear somebody say, "Oh, it's way, way, way slower," I mean, we talk all the time in waterfowl about, "Oh, that shot's too far." Oh, it's fifty yards. Let's let them circle one more time. And that's because there's kind of this magic line. And everybody's going to argue about it, right? Everybody's going to say, well, I use three and a half, or I got a, a super tight, extra long, you know, yeah. mega turkey, long beard, choke, whatever, that can get me out to 60 yards. But there's this magic line somewhere right around probably the 40-yard mark. We can debate all day where that line is. But where do you feel like is kind of the ethical waterfowl shot line for some of these guns? That so you're on, like, 
passing birds, like probably like 20, 25 yards. They got to be pretty close. Okay. If you have a bird that's coming in your face, backpedal and giving you a full breast shot, you know, you could probably go 30, 40 yards if you like, you really had a full breast shot, but how often are you having a full breast shot at 40 yards? Uh-huh. You know, yeah, you just crossing closer, in front right? of you. Yeah, those are usually like into the decoys okay. and everything else. So it's just kind of a matter. And the real, the problem isn't like, when I do go with them, which I do only go a couple times a year because obviously it's hard on them. You know, they're 100-plus-year-old firearms, and I don't want to go out 20 times a year with them. But when I do go out with them, you know, I usually try to find a hole that's pretty small, make sure the birds are going to be in close to me. I don't do it. Typically, I don't go out with a bunch of people when I do it because I don't want to be the handicapped in the boat. Everybody <laughs> else has got, you know, nice modern guns, and I'm sitting over here with Uncle Fudd, you know, Uncle Fudd gun, which is fun. But usually we got, like, two or three buddies that like to do it with me. We'll go out and it's just a different challenge. It's a way to shake it up mid season when you're starting to get bored of going out and blowing through a box of shells just to shoot three birds and you know, <laughs> you know, all that kind of fun stuff. But fun. Oh yeah. It's very interesting. Definitely. No, that's super cool. I would that I definitely would uh I'd be interested in seeing it at some point. So that's that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's kind of fun to learn and like, you know, one time people this is well they had. You know, they were shooting over a block of wood. Yeah. And, that's true. This yeah. type of gun. And, you know, granted, like I said, a lot of these were black powder and I'm shooting nitro through it. So we're not smoking out of freaking bottoms ground, <laughs> but it's still, it's still fun. It's still interesting. And I like the idea of being able just to go out and kind of do stuff the old way sometimes and not do everything. The new high speed, low drag way. And yeah, that even goes, I have like uh some people have heard of like the Marlin goose and the Marlin super goose. They're bolt action shotguns that were specifically oh, okay. built for goose hunting in like, I think like the sixties. And the barrels are like 40 inches tall. Like seriously, it's a fence pole. (laughs) And, you know, I like going out with those every once in a while just because they're, they're different. They're fun to kind of go out and shake it up and try to shoot a bolt gun at some ducks. (laughs) Maybe, uh, maybe instead of doing, or when you do that, kind of to combine the whole experience, instead of running your havoc, you should push pull out to the marsh. Yeah, 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 (laughs) you should go out with the push pull. Should I get out the skull boat and (laughs) skull down to some ducks? No, no, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. That's super cool. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably a good place to go ahead and wrap this one up, man. Okay. Appreciate you coming on the podcast with you. It's, it's been awesome hanging out with you and Tim and, and all the other guys and, and seeing what Iowa has to offer. And, uh, honestly, it's been, we've been blown away. It's just been super cool. Um, cool experience seeing all the different habitat you guys have and, and the duck hunting opportunities. So definitely, um, appreciate you for all that. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to have you guys back again. I think uh, I know some canvas backs are in the order for some of your guys' dream birds. And- oh yeah, we we uh, don't. I don't know if any of us have seen a canvas back in India. I think I've seen them twice, but I've never had a shot. So. I think I, so. I so I I live on one of the bodies of water in northern Indiana, and after hunting season, frequently we'll see them mm-hmm. in like February when it's late goose, and you obviously can't shoot them. Yeah. Um. But during duck season, I think I've only seen two. Um. Yeah. Legend has it Devin might have taken a shot at one one time, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we kind of where we get a hunt, we get a pretty good push of them, and pretty consistently can get on some birds yeah. for those. So awesome, be interesting to have you back. Yeah, and, and also we, we just got to say that your, I mean, your whole group. We we're talking about this lunch. Your whole group, you just have an awesome group of guys, and it's crazy just how many, how many people you have in your group and all that too. Because yeah. it's just so many like minded, hardcore duck hunters you have together so yeah yeah we kind of got a good advantage where we got a lot of guys that are pretty hardcore and get into it and you know help each other out and everything else i mean you find the guys that you like oh yeah takes time yep it's awesome thanks again for having us out it's been a blast yeah yeah it's a good time hopefully we have more hunts tomorrow all righty
Sounds good. All right, folks. I'm Jordan from Declan Chronicles, John and Hunter, and we'll see you guys on the next one.